Welcome to Karuna's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as you listen in. We start in 3, 2, 1. Uh, early or rather late last year, the leadership of this church decided that for the year 2023, we are going to have a focus. And our focus is to be a worshipping community that is united in faith that is stepping up to partner with God in love. But you see, this partnering with God in love is not just in anything. It is based on eight priorities that the elders had commissioned a team that went to all the leaders of this church and and asked them several questions. And the leaders uh, came up with a strategic plan. And this strategic plan that runs from 2023 to 2027 has eight priority areas. And uh, we've been going through these eight priority areas, and I really want to thank all of you for the roles that you've played in just en- ensuring that uh, you, you, you're able to be part of this, even as we go through them. I know it's been a bit, of, it's a, it's a bit difficult to just go through all of them. They are, they are not easy. But today, we are looking at the last one, the last of the priority areas, and this is the enabling structures, building the support systems that will enable growing effectiveness in the ministry. One of the best passages that tells us about structures is actually Genesis chapter 1. God had this plan to bring about a, a human being, man and woman, on this earth. But the earth was formless. The earth was empty. There was, it was just darkness and all that. And God brings about structures that will, so that when man and woman come on this earth, they have a comfortable environment, a good place to be in this world. And so every time you walk around or wherever you are, just know that God thought about you. He had planned for you. And so he put around structures that would enable you and I to keep growing in our effectiveness, in in our purposes, and who we should be. I remember uh, when I was much younger, I had this this vision and, 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 and desire and prayer that God will give me a daughter. And so five years before even I got my daughter, I had already given her a name. And I said, now if I'm going to get this daughter of mine, uh, I need to put around uh, things around which will enable her to live uh, 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 her purpose uh, fully in this world. And so I went, I got an education policy, and I started putting in little money with a view that there will be the company the compounding interest so that by the time she's going to school, she wouldn't have to struggle or rather I wouldn't have to struggle. She wouldn't miss school because of school fees or anything like that. But those particular days, uh, the the government uh, was really struggling and a lot of banks were just, uh, uh, they were closing down. Financial institutions were closing down. In fact, one of the banks, my wife and I, uh, we had had an account in one of the banks and it closed down. And we, we of course, uh, lost some of our deposits one way or another. But even investments were very difficult in those days. So I decided I'm not, I I had actually saved substantially for my daughter. And I decided, no, I'm going to withdraw that money because I was afraid it will, the the institution will collapse. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it did not collapse, but I'd already removed my money. And later on, of course, um, I had to struggle in terms of just providing for her. But if I had actually, uh, if I had, really put the structures in place. If things had been as they should be, or if the government of the day 
had allowed proper structures to work so that banks don't collapse, then I would not have had to go through what I had to go through later. And these days, whenever I'm either counseling people who want to get married or just talking to younger people, I tell them, look, this is what God did. He put around structures in preparation for you. How, why don't you put in, in structures in, in place for yourself and also for others? And if God blesses you with children, why don't you think ahead so that you're not doing it afterwards? We also, there are, there are a few things I believe that I got right or we got right. One of the things one of our mentors told us now, this is not just schooling, but this is uh, the need for, for emotional and emotional care and just being there for our children. One of the things one of our mentors told us is whenever you go to uh, either out or you're going to a functions or to church and, and that kind of thing or to church work, always ensure that one of you remains at home. And I think that really helped us because we always ensured that either my wife is at home so that when the children came from school, my wife was there or, or came in a bit earlier than uh, myself or if I'm, my wife was going to be late, I would be there. And what happened later on is we realized the emotional support we were able to give to our children and we believed that our children will never accuse us that we were absent, but we provided the necessary structure. We had to think about how to go about it and many others that the Lord helped us to do. And so today I want to look at this outline, this, this, uh, this uh, enabling structures. These enabling structures not only apply to a government or a country because uh, as you realize, uh, government must have structures for its people. Uh, they have budgets, they have all these uh, systems to ensure that its people are cared for. As an individual, we need to have enabling structures in our lives to enable us to be able to uh, be productive, to live our purpose fully, wherever where you work or where you go to school or whatever preparations that you need to make so that you are effective in whatever you do. It also applies to the church of Jesus Christ that we must have and need to have structures. And so my sermon outline is based on uh, three issues. That is from darkness to light. You realize that the first thing that God had to do when he was creating uh, structures was actually from darkness to light. I realize I'm still having the old, the old slides which say vision and, uh, vision and purpose. But this is from darkness to light. God had to, uh, God had to change uh, uh, the darkness and bring about light. That was what he did the first day. And then he brought about from emptiness to fullness. And then from formlessness to form. Or if you like, he created structures and systems. Actually, structures and systems was the second thing he did. And then after that is now when he filled the earth in that, in the, in that order. So there was the darkness. And then from the darkness, there was the, the formlessness to form. And then the emptiness to fullness. But the way I've structured myself, I've structured it from darkness to light or from emptiness, and then secondly, from emptiness to fullness, and then from formlessness to form, as you saw in Genesis uh, chapter 1. Now, the darkness that you see, the first thing that God does is this issue of darkness. But the darkness that you see in chapter 1 of Genesis is a very strange darkness. It is not to be confused with the, the issue of the sun and the moon. The dark, because the sun was created on the fourth day. So this is not that darkness of day and night. All right? In fact, the, 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 it's, it's a very strange darkness. We see it several times in the Bible. So for example, like when, when the Israelites 
were when the Israelites got, um, when, when they became enslaved in Egypt, because the Israelites are the image. God was giving us an image of what, um, of what happens when sin comes into our lives. And so the Israelites were the demonstration of what happens. And so they went into Egypt and they are enslaved. And basically what God is saying is that the, this is what sin does to you. It enslaves you. It, 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 put, it binds you. And so one of the things that uh, God did when the Israelites were in Egypt, when he wanted to release them, one of the plagues that came over Egypt was the plague of darkness. Exodus gives us this very interesting story. It says that Moses had to go and stretch out his hand in the sky so darkness spread over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. It was the darkness that you can touch. So Moses stretched out his hand towards the sky and, and, and the total darkness covered Egypt for three days. Irrespective of whether there was sun or moon, there was total darkness in Egypt. No one could see anyone. Or move about for three days. That was a kind of darkness that you see. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. It's a very strange darkness that you, you see over here. What was happening here is God was punishing the gods of Egypt. Evil spirits of Egypt that were enslaving his people. And again you see this kind of darkness when after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Luke records for us. In Luke chapter 23. He says now it was about noon. That means this is the time the sun was all out. It was all shining. And then after Jesus had been crucified. It says darkness came over the whole land. Until three in the afternoon. And that's a very strange darkness. Nothing to do with the sun. I think Paul expounds to us about this darkness. For He said talking about we who are believers. He says for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of, that, of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin. This darkness is very strange. It is a darkness. That binds us. It's a darkness that is just not for us. Matthew. In Matthew chapter 8 from verse 18. Verse 8 to 12. Jesus. There's a, this centurion who goes to Jesus and tells Jesus. You don't have to come to my house. Just speak your word and my child will get well. And Jesus says, I have never seen faith like this. And it says when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, of teeth. So this darkness is not a comfortable place because it's a place of where if human beings end, and this is why God did not want us to get into this kind of darkness, is that there was this weeping and this gnashing of teeth. And so God brings about this, these structures for us so that we are free, we, are, we, we, we find our freedom and our purposes in him. And you know, darkness means you can't see properly. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 23, it says, But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You can't even have vision. You can't see where you're going. 
You see, one of the hindrances of having a good vision and a good purpose is when you are in darkness, especially the inner darkness, when you cannot see with your inner eyes, when you cannot see where you're going or where you even want to go as a person. You see, the Israelites had this identity crisis. After Moses had brought them out of Egypt, after they had been enslaved for many years, they had been told, you are you're just, you, you're slaves, you're, you're of no value. And they had actually believed that. They had put it into their lives. They had this low self-esteem. And so when God now puts them and tells them, now you're ready to go to the promised land, they send out spies into that promised land. The spies go there and they meet these Nephilims. And they are huge people. And the spies come back and they tell the people, we cannot take that land. And the people begin to believe. Except two people, except two spies, Joshua and Caleb. And in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33, this is what we are said. It is said of the Israelites. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. One of the problems about seeing where you need to go, a vision, because structures are based on a vision. So, for example, when the architect who was designing the structures we were putting up, he had to come and ask, what exactly do you need these structures for? We had to say, we need some, we want first for the youth, to, the one to be refurbished, we want another one for the children, then for the adults. For how many people? Maximum 2,000. Why 2,000? Because our core value is to plant churches and not to bring everybody on this compound, and so on and so forth. But the Israelites could not get the vision so that they could put together a structure that could help them. Why? Because they had a low esteem of themselves. They said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. When you have a low self-esteem of yourself, it's very difficult for you to see your own value. And unfortunately, when you are unable to see your own value, you also begin not to see the value of other people. And you begin to live in a, in a state of insecurity. And you begin to imagine how other people are looking at you. Because this is what they say in that verse. They say, and we looked the same to them. But who told them the Nephilims thought they were grasshoppers? Probably they, the, 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 the Nephilims did not. Because many years later, the Nephilims, these very people who are in this land, they said, we've heard of your God and how he opened the sea for you. And they were afraid. So it, one of the things that prevents us from having enabling structures in our life is not having a vision for our lives. And not having a vision for our lives depends a lot on our, the value we place on ourselves. The self-image. And so the first challenge of enabling structure is how we view ourselves. And the second challenge of enabling structure is how we view God. How we view God. You see, the Israelites, when they were looking down upon themselves, all the while, there was the cloud that God had brought to guide them in the desert. The cloud that provided shade in the heat of the desert and provided warmth in the cold night of the desert. The God who provided for them manna every morning, the cloud that guided them, telling them, go this way. But they could not look to him for victory. And because of their lack of faith, they could not go to the promised land. 
Matthew records another another very interesting thing about this not seeing who God is for who he really is. In Matthew chapter 13 from verse 54 to 58 it says coming to his hometown he began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and this miraculous power? They asked, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this his mother's name? Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor. A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do any miracles there because of their lack of faith they became they looked they looked down upon god they became so familiar with god that they no longer looked to him they never they did not look to the god of genesis chapter 1 who created everything from nothing in fact the hebrew word used in genesis chapter 1 is very unique he creates from nothing And so Jesus does not do any miracles. In essence, it's it's they, they prevent themselves from enjoying what God can do because of their view of God. And maybe you're here and you've been brought up in church and you even know what will be preached, you even know the scripture so well. And so whenever the word, whenever God wants to speak to you or do a miraculous work in your life, you're like there's nothing different. I'm, I've been hearing this all my life. And yet that could be the day that the Lord wants to speak to you. Could it be that your faith so prevents you from having vision to the extent that God is not able to work in you and to the extent that you're not able to create structures around you to be able to even fulfill your own vision. From darkness to light. But you see a very different story. When you come to Samuel chapter 17 from verse 45 to 47 there is a man there who even in the midst of darkness he saw the light he saw a vision he had a vision and this was David the armies of the Israelites were afraid the Philistines had come out and Goliath was standing there and then David said to the Philistine you come against me with sword and spear and javelin but i come against you in the name of the lord almighty the god of the armies of the israel whom you have defied this day the lord will deliver you into my hands and i will strike you down and cut off your head this very day i will give the carcasses of the philistines army to the birds and to the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a god in israel all those gathered there will here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the lord saves for the battle is the lord's and he will give all of you into our hands david understood the god of genesis chapter 1 the god who creates all things the god who owns all things the god who can start something from scratch completely and the god who can fight any battle so that no man could stand and defile the name of this god And so David not only has a good image of himself but he finds his image in God. Because God then created man in his image and when you find your image in God then you begin to find your true value then circumstances around you begin to make sense because you have the right image that is based around God. And so you put the right structures around you to be able to live the purposes that God has for you as opposed to living the way the Israelites were living in total fear. and unable to accomplish everything simply because Goliath would go there and stand and proclaim doom 
to them. I don't know what your situation is today and what God is telling you about your own life. Because if you don't have vision for your life, if you don't have a purpose for your life, then it's very difficult to even put around structures that will make sense into your life. The second point for those who write, it is from emptiness to fullness. From emptiness to fullness. You see, God is a God of increase. There was emptiness over the earth. But God is a God of increase. When you look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 22, this is what he said, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters in the sea and let the birds increase on the earth. That is the nature of God, to bring increase. But emptiness is as a result of that, just that confusion that was there before. And after the fall of man, we find ourselves often drifting to darkness to emptiness, and to formlessness. So this, as a result of our fall, many things happen to us that just sometimes create emptiness. And there is this story in 2 Kings chapter 4 from verse 1 to 7. There was this widow and she had her children, but she had a debt. And because of this debt, she was about to be sold into slavery so that this debt is paid. And she meets the prophet Elisha and she cries out to Elisha. And so it is written, the wife of a man from the company of the prophet cried out to Elisha, your servant, my servant is dead and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it aside. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. Then all the jars were full. She said to her son, bring another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Elijah asks her some very interesting question. What do you have in your house? She says nothing. Except a small jar of oil. You see, when Genesis chapter 1 says God created, like I said, the Hebrew word used there is very unique. Creating from nothing. But we who are made in his image, we create from what God has already created. And however little it may be, God is able to increase it. Very little oil. God uses this very little oil to fill the empty jars. Small beginnings. You may be saying this thing, I have such a small, I don't even have anything to start my business. I don't have this to start my business. But God, I think the reason God begins to create little by little, because God would have, actually in a second, he would have said, let the whole world be there and it would have been. But he creates in bits to show us the importance of starting small. He asks Moses, what do you have in your hands? And so Elijah had asked her not to borrow a few jars. Because he knew the bounty of heaven. He knew the plentiness of heaven. He knew the nature of God to increase us. And so he tells her, don't ask for a few. 
But when the empty jars were filled, the miracle flow stopped. You see, God, God did what the widow could not do to multiply and cause the oil to flow. But the, her moment, the moment her capacity was exhausted, the miracle stopped. Because you see, heaven does not like to waste resources. And so where the capacity and where your capacity and my capacity stops, that is where the provision stops. And that is where the growth stops. What is your capacity? Because our God is a God of increase. The other area, the third area that we see is from formlessness to form. In Genesis, we see God builds structures and systems very systematically. You know, a system is a group of parts that carry out a particular function or the same function. So from the creation story, you and I appreciate God is a systems thinker. You know, it's very systematic. It starts from here, he, he, he brings light, then he spreads the water, and then after he spread the water, then he parts the water from the land. Very clear and very systematic. And you see, our planet is a system. It's an, it has this enabling structure. It's a system. There is the sun, the planets that rotate around the sun. Each, each, with each one of them, with its position. Because you see, systems bring order. So you're coming from formlessness, from emptiness, from darkness, from disorder. God begins to bring systems in place where everything is in place. And what happens is when you have order, order brings about increase. That is why you will notice that some of the poorest countries are very disorderly. Because they waste resources. If, if you went to the junction of Machakos, the junction, Mombasa Road, the junction that goes to Mombasa, Mombasa there's a dual carriageway that comes from there all the way to Nyeri. Now, if you went, at least the time I went to driving school, they used to tell us, keep left. Alright? Now, if the cars that drive on that road kept left, and then there is a mark, if you ever drove, drove to think or someone drove you there. It is written, keep left unless overtaking. But guess what? You will find so many cars driving slowly on the right. And so if you drive to Thika, you would have taken 40 minutes. But how many minutes do you take? You can even take one hour and a half. Because you'll find two trucks covering both roads. A dual carriageway. That is disorder. I was in South Africa last year. I drove from Durban to Port Elizabeth. A three hour drive. At 130, which is a speed limit allowed, and you flash the person in front of you and they move to the left and you move on. Efficiency. When there is disorder, there is no increase. You waste a lot. You risk getting accidents. But where there is order, there is increase. You see, God thinks systems. Because Systems give us this larger perspective. It gives us a larger understanding of how things work. And so the blessings that he brings in our lives require that we keep rethinking how our systems, how, how are they working. In Exodus chapter 18, God had allowed Moses to lead. Moses, because maybe he was going to get his, um, 
He was going to get his, the, the Israelites from Egypt. Maybe he sent his wife back to stay with, the, with, 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 with her father. And so when Moses had now reached the desert, her father-in-law, uh, his father-in-law brought the, his, his wife and uh, two sons. And of course, Moses was very happy. On the day that the father-in-law was bringing the, 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 the wife, he, he took a pose. He even went to meet the father-in-law with the elders. But the next day, Moses went and he stood before the people and he was judging them the whole day. And this is what then Moses' father-in-law told him. What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too much. It's too heavy for you. You cannot handle alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. May God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people. Men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials of a thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God commands you, you will be able to stand the strain and all the people will go home satisfied. Moses here is just about to create a disaster for his family that has just been brought to him. He works from early morning to late evening. Goes home tired. He has no time for his family. It is not good for Moses, for himself as a person, for his family, and indeed for the entire community. Because his father-in-law, who is a systems thinker, tells him you will tire, not only yourselves, but you will tire the whole community. And so Moses advises him to expand his structures. To make his structures to be, to, 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 to be able to take the, the blessings that God has brought to him. This, this is only equivalent to what you would call community life groups here in church. See, community life groups is basically a system where you take care of each other, you pastor one another, and I see them even yesterday during the walk. I saw community life groups coming together. They do life together. It's a system where people can take care of each other when there is need. It is an enabling structure. And when you're not in a small group, then you don't help yourself. Because when you're in need, nobody knows. When you have to study the Bible or say a word together where you want to grow with one another, nobody knows. And you keep to yourself. Moses is asked to create capable men from all the people and women who fear God, who are trustworthy. Because the character of the leaders of these structures are important. Because if these leaders don't have character, it will collapse. And he tells them, put these people in groups of thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. As in, there are ten people in groups of ten and they have a zone and somebody in that zone oversees that particular group and so on and so forth. That is dealing with things in manageable portions as opposed to trying to do everything. And what overwhelms many of us and we become paralyzed is when we try to do everything at once. In chapter 11 of, uh, of the book of Numbers. Now, 
Moses has, of course, put everybody in CLG. Something else happens. The Israelites come and they say, we, want, we now want meat. We've just been eating this manna. We don't want it. We want meat. And Moses is just helpless and he's so mad. And then he prays a prayer, a very powerful prayer to God. I hope none of you will ever pray this prayer. He says, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. Have you ever prayed that prayer? This is a stressed man. And what God tells him, of course he says, if I found favor in your eyes, do not let me face my own ruin. Then God tells to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among you. Have them come to the tent of meeting and they may stand there before you. I will come down and speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. There were 70 men. These were leaders already. Now, these are not CLG leaders. These were people who were already probably CLG leaders in that sense or already other leaders. And Moses here needs elders, people who he can speak to. You know, if somebody is leading a group of 10, they may not understand the trouble somebody who is leading a group of 600,000 has. And so he needs leaders who he can share with. In companies or in businesses, you call them boards uh, and so on and so forth. So there reaches a stage even in your own business or in your own whatever you do that you need people who can actually counsel you and people who you can talk to at, a, at the same level. Otherwise, you begin to get lost. So there were two men who didn't come for this anointing service. And then the same spirit that, in fact, God didn't need to, because he just put the spirit that he had put on Moses and put it on them. And they began to prophesy wherever they were. The people, somebody heard it and ran to where Moses was and said, there's a fellows here who are prophesying. And Josh, Josh, Joshua, who was uh, Moses' aide, he said, he told Moses, can I go and stop them? Because you see, for them, it was like only Moses can do this thing. And probably Moses himself believed only he can do this thing. Have you, and, and you, really, you, you really can't blame Moses. Because, you, you know, were, they, were these people there when there was a burning bush? Were they there? Were they there when Moses went to the mountain? Were they there when Moses received the law? So there is, there is this fear that they may not know what to do. And maybe you have begun a business and you feel no one else can know the, proble the, the problems you've gone through, the challenges you've gone through. And so you just want to hold it yourself. But your business will only expand as far as your capacity and as far as your self-image. But what God is telling Moses here is grow and expand. And he's telling them, these people, I will be able to put the spirit that you have on you. There's this story that is, I'm sure you probably, many of you have heard of it, of this man who was fishing. And, 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 and uh, as he was fishing, his friend was watching him. So he had a stick. So whenever he would fish, he would measure the fish with a stick. Worship him, please. Just come up. He would measure the stick, the fish with a stick. And if the fish was larger than the stick, he would throw it back into the river. But if the stick, if the fish was smaller than the stick, he would put it in his basket and go home with it. So his friend came and asked him, I have been observing you for many years. I notice that you measure the fish that you get. And fish that is larger than the stick, you throw it back into the sea. 
But fish that is smaller, you put it in the basket and go home with it. There must be some philosophy around what you're doing, some deep philosophy. Please explain to me. And the man, the fisherman looked at the man and said, which philosophy? There's no philosophy. I have a frying pan and I've used this stick to measure my frying pan. And so any fish that is bigger than this stick won't fit on my frying pan. But today I'm telling you, the God of increase wants to increase you. And if you don't increase your capacity and your frying pan and your structures, then you will not be able to hold that which you are able to hold and that which God is calling you to hold. Then you become like the widow of 2 Kings chapter 4 who fills all the jars and the blessings stop. But these blessings can't just be for you. You may say, I have enough. These blessings can't just be for you. They must be for God's people. Why has God given you the capacities given you? You cannot be that selfish. And some of you here are so blessed. You're so, um, God has really blessed you and you want to be part of the church. We have also enabling structures. We have structures in this church that, are, that you can be part of. We have an administrative wing, an administrative department that would really appreciate your assistance. We have the finance departments. We have communications departments. We have a monitoring, evaluation, account accountability, and learning department. We have a human resource department. And we need specialists. We have a procurement department. We need people who can help the church to be able to maximize on its resources. We have a table just out there. When you go there, just ask them, what can I do? We have an IT, we have which, which, is, which we need a lot of assistance. We don't even have a research uh, department. We don't have any structure to take care of the widows. And I think that's why our strategic plan said we must have enabling structures. But I believe that God has placed you here for a purpose. Not just to sit, but to be part of what God is doing in this community. Let's sing this song together. Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ, or talk to, or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721-990-880. God bless you.